I'm Caleb Brown, host of the Cato Daily Podcast, and I'm taking this time to ask you during the month of December to financially support the Cato Daily Podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute to advance individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor and support our efforts. This is the only time of the year when I make this request, so I'm adding something. If you support Cato to the tune of $1,000 or more, I'll gladly give you a shout-out on the podcast, or you can designate another individual to receive the benefits of that donation. Just visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to get started, and thank you. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 22nd, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Many of the critiques of ranked choice voting or instant runoff voting don't really engage with the mechanics or the likely outcomes, and fans of that kind of voting have a growing list of places using it to select public officials. Scott Turner advocates for instant runoff voting. We spoke earlier this month. It is uh, unfortunate, I think, that a lot of people's introduction to ranked choice voting was the New York City mayoral primary. Absolutely. Okay, so one, let's clarify what actually happened there and and why ranked choice voting wasn't really at fault. Well, well, for one, they double counted the same batch of ballots over again. Uh, human error. Uh, that's not a that's not a knock on ranked choice voting. That's a knock on the qualifications and ability of the individuals running the election at that point. And there, you know, in New York, they have some pretty um, strange rules around how mail-in absentee ballots are handled as well. You have to wait until uh, I think a week after the election is over so that any ballot that was po- postmarked on election day um, has to has a chance to come in. Uh, most places, like in Georgia, where I'm from, you have to have your ballot in before the polls close, regardless of what the postmark is. So they had to wait as a result before they could even start counting. That gave the perception that it was taking too long and opened it up to, to critics who didn't understand that that was something that's unique to New York. You know, that's how they handle their mail-in absentee ballots. That's not how they do it in other states, though. Broadly speaking, for those who aren't very familiar with it, what is ranked choice voting? So ranked choice voting or instant runoffs is the opportunity to shorten our election cycle in, uh, for states or areas or elections that require a 50% plus one margin to declare victory. So, and it gives us the opportunity to, uh, when we step into the ballot booth on election day, to select who our first choice is, our second choice, third choice, fourth choice. And then when those ballots are counted, since we've ranked our choices, so long as our number one choice is still on the, uh, still in the running, then our vote still counts for that person. But if that person gets to a point where they're not no longer viable, they're not in the top three, they're not in the top two, then you're, you're vote, we go down to your second, third, fourth choice. Uh, and until ultimately your ballot is either cast for the winner or it's cast for somebody that didn't win. And still you're able to get your 50% plus one margin under this way. You're able to increase the total number of people who are participating because we see huge drop-offs. Anytime there's a runoff election, you see huge drop-offs from the general to that runoff. So you're maximizing voter participation at the, at the, uh, optimal moment that they're in the in the box, and it cuts down costs. You know, elections are expensive to run, especially for these local governments. And you're eliminating that whole round and saving tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending upon 
the locality that's running that election. What either localities or states, as you're from Georgia, and, mm-hmm. and Georgia has recently adopted uh, a, a portion of what you would like to see with respect to ranked choice voting. What other states uh, or localities have adopted it and what have been the results? So we have seen it in Alaska uh, as a result of a ballot initiative. In Utah, they're using it for municipal elections on an opt-in basis. Uh, You see it in some cities in California, San Francisco as an example, New York City. Um, Maine has uh, ranked choice voting. And most notably, the Virginia Republican Party used it to nominate Glenn Youngkin and win some Sears. And that's that's, Virginia is a notable example uh, because he had fairly limited support at the at the first at the first ballot my understanding is that he did well on the first ballot he did not win outright there were multiple rounds and eventually he was nominated through this process uh, exactly what we laid out here at the convention and and it's it's notable also that virginia is reputed to be a state that is trending blue some people say that about Georgia. I call them liars, but they say that Georgia's turning blue as well, or at the very, at very least purple. All right. Yeah. So when people complain about ranked choice voting, uh, I have heard it described very recently as a woke lefty scam. Hmm. I uh, served in the Georgia House of Representatives for eight years. I uh, got an award from the American Conservative Union every single time they gave out the awards for uh conservative achievement. Uh, I have a a very high lifetime score with Club for Growth, and uh, you're not going to find anybody in Georgia that's going to be very far to the right from where I'm at. So I, you know, as is the case with uh, a Winsome Sears, for example, Uh, you know, a lot of folks say that there's no room for a a candidate like a Winsome Sears in the GOP. But those people are all lefties who are trying to say that African-Americans don't have a place. They clearly do. And when they run for office, Republicans vote for them. So it doesn't fit that narrative. So anytime the opposition for any issue starts talking about, oh, it's a bunch of woke lefties, where in my resume do you find anything woke or anything lefty? I challenge you. So we haven't seen super broad adoption of ranked choice voting just just yet. Some states have opened the door uh, to local option, that is, localities could then, uh, the state authorizes localities to make use of ranked choice voting for low-level offices. That seemed intuitively smart to me to let people sort of get comfortable with that process and, uh, and understand how it works. How do you think uh, ranked choice voting would change uh, strate- strategy by candidates with respect to uh, fundraising, with, with respect to how they engage with other candidates on a debate stage, that's, oh, yeah. that sort of thing. Well, I, I think you saw some examples of that actually from New York. You had candidates standing next to each other campaigning. And you want to talk about you know raising the level of our political rhetoric during a, during a debate or during a campaign. Here you go. You have candidates standing next to each other saying, I'd like to be your second choice because they know they may not get a second bite at that apple. So they're campaigning next to each other and it becomes much more about the policy than it does about the personality. And I think that's what Americans are craving right now is let's have some real focused substantive debates around the differences between our visions for America and how we get there and those policies, because it's not really about who's the most radical leftist or who's the most crazy right wing person. It's about 
you know, who's going to help manage this inflation right now? Who's going to help us tamp down on crime? Who's going to help us get jobs? Who's going to help us keep the economy going without wrecking it? And, and who's going to allow us to have a say in our children's education? And, and so we have, we have these debates whenever ranked choice voting is involved. And it's not about, oh, did, did he suffer from mental illness 30 years ago? Which, you know, it's not really for a legislative type to role. So what if the guy was, it, it, bottom line though is, let's have some focused debates around policy and issues. And that's what this opens the door to. It, it's hard for me to imagine that the nominees of the Republican and Democratic Party in 2016 would have been the people that those parties chose uh, in a system of ranked choice voting, given the super high negatives associated with both of those candidates. Uh, you know, it's hard to t it's hard to look backwards and say, I, except for when I can point to drop off in elections. I mean, if we want to look backwards, I can point to Georgia specifically in the two U.S. Senate cases and say definitively, had ranked choice voting been the law in Georgia for those Senate races last last year, that we'd have two Republicans representing Georgia in the United States Senate. I have no doubt about that. I have no, you know, there are 319,000 people that didn't, that were Republicans who didn't show back up that second time around. Kelly Leffler lost by 50,000 votes and David Perdue lost by 12 or 15,000 votes. Right. But with respect to their electoral strategy, were they, oh, they the less contentious candidates? No, they were purely in your face. The, both campaigns were like that the whole time. You know, and at one point, uh, Senator Warnock ran an ad um, where he was walking a puppy because he labeled all the stuff puppy poo, you know, and, uh, the campaigns that, and was he, I can't have, I have a hard time. I don't agree with him on much, but when it came to the campaigns in Georgia, they were just not run that well. Okay. I wonder how that changes uh, for third parties, libertarians, greens, et cetera, how they might be viewed by voters when they walk into the voting booth to cast their ballots. One of the knocks against libertarian candidates broadly, one of many, I'm sure, uh, is that I'm not going to vote for this guy that I may agree with 75, 80, 90 percent of the time because this guy doesn't have a chance of winning. Mm -hmm. And un I imagine under a ranked choice voting model that those candidates would get a second look in a way that, well, I, you know, this is the guy I prefer. I prefer what this guy's saying, but I could live with the Republican or the Democrat. Well, I imagine that libertarians would enjoy having additional choices when they walk in the box, you know, that, that if they want to vote just for their guy, just because they have the LP letters next to their name, they can. If they want to have a second choice, then they would be able to. Uh, you know, I, I could see how a libertarian might be excited by gaining two or three extra points uh, in an election, if, especially if that's double what they're getting today. Um, and then not being labeled as somebody who is hurting the electoral pro process because everybody knows the libertarian is not going to win anyway. You're wasting your vote argument. And every libertarian's heard that, right? You're wasting your vote by voting for the LP guy. Well, now they can feel comfortable going in there, casting their vote for the LP nominee. And if they don't, you know, and they know that person's not likely to win. I mean, there could be some time in the future when it happens, but in our current state, it's not likely. They know that going in. They can have a second choice right away. They don't have to come back to the, to the ballot box, and they don't have to get mailers during Thanksgiving or Christmas. Now, you were saying that it, it, you believe it would be likely that would be, we would get more substantive debates. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I, I think that's probably true. Uh, I also wonder how that changes the strategy when it comes to debate time, because I know candidates do a lot of sort of, they play a lot of games in order to make, uh, to give their, give themselves a better position when it comes to actually having to debate, choosing a format they like better, making sure this candidate is on the stage, but this candidate is not on the stage and that, that sort of thing when it comes time to arrange a debate. And I can imagine a Republican or a Democrat, depending on the circumstances, insisting that the Green Party candidate or the Libertarian candidate is also on the stage with them uh, by virtue of the fact that, and and wanting to make a big deal out of having called for uh, these additional candidates to be on the stage in order to maybe be the second choice for a lot of voters who might prefer a third party candidate. Yeah, it, it definitely opens up the doors for a lot of uh, unique situations like that that I think would be beneficial to society on the whole. Having more voices at the table is good. Having the ability to have more choices is good. Uh, being able to maximize the efficiency of when you participate in elections is also good. Um, so I, I could see nothing but good things from all of that. And in, in general, the vitriol that we see in campaigns, uh, you might see less of that. I think you would see less. I don't know that it ever goes away. I think that it, the way ranked choice plays out, there is an opportunity for everybody else in the field to t sort of target the front runner. And, and we've seen that happen as well. But for the most part, it still continues to raise the level of the dialogue. And so we're not, it's not just personal attacks anymore. Scott Turner is a former state lawmaker in Georgia and an advocate for ranked choice voting. We spoke earlier this month. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 